Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. On episode 42 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, Adam and Jeremiah sit down and talk about West Ham's deflating loss to Newcastle and talk about the changes that need to come to West Ham to take that next step forward. We then look ahead to the Burnley matchup coming and answer some Hammers polls questions to end the episode. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. It's episode 42. Um, despite the negativity, we are plugging along, and much like Manuel Pellegrini, our team selection for this week is a bit uh, a bit narrow here. I wouldn't say it's wrong, but uh, it's just Jeremiah and myself. Uh, Jeremiah, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. It's cold out here in Colorado, and it's it's a little cold in my heart right now for West Ham. But uh, like you said, we're we're trucking along. How are you? Uh, you know what? When it comes to football, uh, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm deflated, but uh, yeah. It's, I'm in Toronto, so it's cold. Um, it is uh, starting to snow tonight, uh, which will be the first real substantial snowfall of the year. So um, it's here. I'm officially hating going outside, and it's dark at 4 p.m. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, now, I, I led us into our first topic here. But like always, we start the episodes with uh, you know, going back and talking about the match that was. And in this week, the match that was, it was Newcastle coming to the London Stadium. Uh, going into this match, fair to say we, we were all fairly confident, right? Yeah, I think um, not just us, you know, not just the uh, Green Street Hammers, but you looked at a lot of different places out there. I think everyone was fairly confident. Um, you know, we, I think going into you looked a little negative, possibly, how the last couple of matches have gone, but you always kind of want to up your team and get excited in it and after all, it was Newcastle, right? Like, they haven't scored more than one goal in a match all season, I think. And they haven't scored, you know, especially away. I think it was some, something crazy. Like, some crazy stats. And, of course, you know, enter West Ham. And uh, and it all went down. So, yeah, I think going into it, definitely high expectations and high hopes that were quickly uh, diminished. Yeah, just to look at it now, our form currently is loss, draw, loss, loss, draw. 
Um, we're sitting 13th in the table with a minus three goal differential. We're tied on points uh, with uh, Wolves and Tottenham and Manchester United, which objectively, if you were to say Wolves, Tottenham, Manchester United, uh, and West Ham all level, you'd say, oh, that's kind of an interesting top six, but I'll take it there. No, no, uh, we are all in the bottom half of the table here. So um, the chance to, to right the ship and get things going in the right direction um, was flubbed by West Ham. And I, I, was, I was excited going into the match, but it was that nervous optimism. And it's always with every team I support. It tends to be a cardiac event every time they're playing. But the the mentality is like get the first goal, get the first touchdown, get the first whatever, go on the first run. You know what I mean? Get the first home run, something, and just sort of take that pressure away. Even when when I was playing sports myself, I played goalie for for ice hockey, and it was always make the first save. Just make the first save, and then your head's in the game. There's no anticipation anymore. Um, Sad enough for West Ham. Uh, this one didn't go the way we all wanted it to. Uh, the match ended 3-2 for Newcastle, and the team didn't look up to it. But before we get into how they actually played, uh, the team selection was extremely questionable. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say, regardless of who was playing left wing for Newcastle, no one would have expected Pablo Zabaleta to be playing in this game. And... Even if he wasn't playing one of the fastest players in the Premier League, he's not the guy that West Ham need to be playing right now, is he? No. I think it, he came out and played last week, and he, he did – I'm sorry, two weeks ago, and he did okay. Um, he did well enough, and he was there, but he's he's lost it over the years, right? I mean, he's not the same Pablo Zabaleta that there was on the championship Man City teams. And I think that, you know, obviously you want him out there to have the kind of – veteran poise that he has and probably the ability to get the players going which clearly i don't think that's really happened either but yeah i mean as far as pace goes you're absolutely right he was it was way off three weeks ago on the west ham way podcast uh, x was talking about um targeting a you know a, a striker and he said a right back and i thought that that was interesting because uh if this is specifically for the january window because we're like, oh, Fredericks and uh, Zabaleta and then also Ben Johnson, if need be. Like, that doesn't really make all that much sense. But thinking about it now, I don't know if, if these last two games for Zabaleta to start were basically a trial run. Who Like, what do you have left? It's Sheffield United and Newcastle at home. If you can't get something out of those from him or, or he can't at least blend into the background, then you know. But this, is, this was shocking team selection, to say the least. And mm. it's just... It's just uninspired. Robert Snodgrass got the start again in the attacking midfield. Did you have a problem with that, or did you did you think that he earned that with his goal from the from the week prior? I definitely thought he earned it um, with his goal, and he almost got another one. Um, he played really well against Sheffield, so definitely thought he earned another go. And I mean, he seemed to be the only person, one of the only people against Sheffield that had any heart and any kind of poise about him. So yeah, definitely thought it was good to see him out there. That was not a question for me at all. Yeah, I'm the same way, and I also thought you can't really trust Fornells or Lanzini to start this game because they haven't earned it. So why are you giving them that? But now the now the ire is kind of falling on Mark Noble. Uh, he started this game and was subbed off for uh, at halftime for an attacking player. Him and uh, Yarmolenko came off at halftime for a Yeti and for Lanzini, and uh, the the game did transform at that point, but. 
Um, just looking at the timeline of the actual match here, West Ham were down one nothing within 16 minutes, and then six minutes later it was two nil. And then to start the second half, the first minute, John Joe Shelby scores a, a free kick that was stoppable. To be completely fair, mm-hmm. um, and it's three nil Newcastle, and the, the announcers are saying, "You know, this is diabolical. It, it, you can't have this from West Ham. They're a team that's poised uh, and is spending money, and everything seems to be right on paper." What is not clicking for them? Does this come down to players here, or does it does it come down to manager? I think, you know, I, I've kind of gone back and forth a little bit. I think immediately my thought was manager. You know, you hear all the time these people, these players, they make millions of dollars, right? And they make hundreds of thousands of dollars a week, some of them. Um, how are you going to be able to control them? You know, you look at the difference in, in North America, you look at the difference between college football and then, you know, American football, the National Football League. You know, sometimes you talk about how it's easier to control the younger kids because they don't make any money. I think that that's part of it. But if you're a good manager, if you're if you're out there and you are getting quote unquote in the ass of your players, they're going to play, um, or they should anyway, or if they'll find a way to do it. You look at Pep. There's numerous examples. You look at Pep, and you can look at a bunch of different uh, managers that are out there throughout. You know, that are in Champions League and Europa League and all that. That 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 get in their players' faces, and they get them motivated to play. And so that could be part of it. It's either that, or he's trying to do that. Like you said, he's out there trying to start Zabaleta and trying to see what's happening and maybe put in a uh, put in a player that potentially could get the other players fired up, and maybe they're just not performing. But for me, I guess if I had to pick one way, I would think that, yeah, I think that Pellegrini's not possibly getting, um, getting them fired up to play or – getting the motivation i mean you've seen it how many different matches i think there's been at least two or three times if not more we've started the second half and another team came out within the first 10 minutes and scored i don't know but what do you think about that yeah i i I want to say i want to say it's players because i think that there's a lack of determination when it comes to some of these players but then what if you watch them individually like people are slating felipe anderson he is trying with all of his might to get back and cover defensively and then drag the mm-hmm. entire team forward. And he's, you know, getting overlap with Aaron Cresswell. And, and you know, God bless Cresswell's soul, but he, he just isn't the same as he was even a few years ago anymore. So I understand the frustration on his end, but I also think that, you know, these players have a baseline of how they can play. And, and you could argue that they've been playing at the lowest of their possibility in the, in the past few weeks here. But I, there has to be something diff- different that changes with this team. It has to, With any manager, with any team, with any group of players, you have to be dynamic. You can have the parts of your game that are characteristic to the style of football that you play, whether that's formation, whether that's tactics, whether that's certain players taking on different roles. For West Ham, that's their high defensive line. Have that high defensive line, knock down, you know, these over these these runs in behind and, you know, save yourself uh, some headaches just by catching teams offside. But look at the comments that John Joe Shelby made after the game when asked about how how Newcastle went about dismantling West Ham. He said, well, we know they play a high line, but we know we also know that they don't do well covering deep runs. uh, So we Mm -hmm. expose them through that tactic. That's the only tactic that exposes high lines. So how have we not dealt with that? We've been playing the system now for a, for a year and a half. We've been training for it for, for two years. How are we not developing that? And, and you know, is, if that's on the midfield, then why are we not playing two defensive midfielders instead of two attacking midfielders to give Rice some, you know, some extra help? And if it's not, how come we're committing our fullbacks forward so far? Because then it leaves our our backs our center backs so exposed. You know, so the, to me it seems like. 
the issue and the, the the fault falls on Pellegrini here. And I've I'm always one to pull back on that, especially when it when it's the manager or the board. I'm not the first one to cast a stone that way because when it boils down to it, it's a football team, and you know these are adult players who are professional and paid very well to play a child's game. Basically, is how it's boiled down. So there has to be some the the onus has to be on those players, but you know they could have played the perfect the, the perfect system to how Pellegrini wants them to play against Newcastle, and they still would have got exposed because there doesn't seem to be any dynam- dynamic dy- dynamicness in how they're playing. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even get the words out. I'm so emotional. Um, and you know you what you expect that to from extent from the top talents, but. You don't expect it from Newcastle for them to so easily do it. And also, another issue I want to get your opinion on, set pieces. It doesn't matter the team. It doesn't matter the players, the time, anything. We get picked apart by them. We've had David Moyes who couldn't do it. We've had Slavin Bilic who couldn't do it. We've now had Manuel Pellegrini who can't seem to get these players in line. And, you know, that's an entirely different generation of center backs who've been, uh, who've been brought in at this club. Whether, you know, the oldest is, is Ogbonna, but... Issa Diop's new. Fabian Balbuena's new. We're having problems with all of them. Before that, it was Tompkins. It was Collins. We were getting scored on. At least with Collins, there was a little bit more grit and physicality. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what to what to think about this team when it comes to set pieces because I feel like every time one comes our way, I just prepare for a goal to go into the net. It almost looks like it, too. I mean, you can almost sense it in the buildup. To take a corner. I mean, you take both of those corners, or essentially both of those corners, when Newcastle scored. I mean, they they look their players look more physical. They look like they're ready to attack more, and, and defenders are just kind of hanging out. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's the curse. It's the West Ham curse. It's another curse that we have to hold on to. But I think that uh, you're absolutely right, dude. I mean, it's just been atrocious over the last several years. I don't I don't see it. I mean, I'm never. I don't even really get excited when we get a corner because I'm like they're just gonna. Maybe I mean Snodgrass has looked a little better, but typically it just goes in and it's kind of like a line drive, and you know one of the other team's defenders will head it out real fast, and it's it's almost we have the players to do it, and you've seen a couple times when they get the ball in their head, it gets close, but it's still not perfect. I mean it's not even, I mean just a little close to perfect. It's 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 a whole part of this game, and I mean even going back to the first part of what you said, we made a Steve Bruce team. Nothing against Steve Bruce, and I think he's a great he's had great times as manager, and he's been mm-hmm. kind of an icon in England but he plays just a really boring boring style of offense and we made them look we made them look great I mean it could have easily been five six seven nil with some of the breakaways that uh, that they were getting so yeah I don't know I can't sit here and try to pinpoint what needs to happen I mean typically too we've had these runs where we've been in bad form and Mark Noble has been playing or Mark Noble's been out and then he comes back and it's like there's a spark but now the problem is he's in there, and no offense to him, um, you know things aren't playing well. Nobody's really playing well except for maybe Snodgrass, and just nothing. Like something needs to happen. There needs to be a spark, whether that's change of formation um, or something. But just doesn't seem like anything he's tried to do has worked. Yeah, with set pieces, also like we saw Fabian Balbuena score, and um, we heard a lot about his reputation of scoring, uh, goals as a center back from when he came over from South America. And, um, we, he's, he's only scored two now. I think it was 13 months in between them as well, which isn't a great, uh, isn't a great reputation to have or a great stat line to have. But when you have, uh, <clears throat> players like Sebastian Allaire or Issa Diop, 
who are going to get the biggest, strongest center backs marking them. You need mm-hmm. players like Balbuena, who are your second-tier attacking players on set pieces, to capitalize on those opportunities. And Balbuena got his head on three or four corners or set pieces in the game. One of them mm-hmm. I couldn't believe he missed because he, he I think it hit his back instead of his head. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was crazy. And you could see he was grabbing his head, but he didn't he didn't let his head drop down and, you know, sink and basically say, like, oh, man, I didn't get... Like, no, no, he just kept going. Like, okay, that the next one, the next one, the next one. And mm-hmm. he eventually got it. And he got his goal and got things kick-started for West Ham to get back into the match in the 73rd minute. Um, but it's just so... It's just so frustrating because... As dangerous as our team feels, it always there always seems to be something that undermines them that shouldn't. And you know whether it's set pieces, counter attacks, team selection, there's something there that's nipping away at us. Uh, if we're gonna stay on the manager for here for for a minute here, um, I, I want to get your opinion on substitutions because that's been something that's gone uh, that sort of frustrated a lot of people lately in the West Ham world. Uh, Manuel Pellegrini's substitutions in this match were Lanzini on for Yarmolenko in the 45th minute, Ayeti on for Noble in the 45th minute, and Fredericks on for Zabaleta in the 72nd minute. And to combat that, uh, Steve Bruce made substitutions. Christian Atsu on for Maximin uh, in the 77th minute, Dummett on for Willems in the 87th minute, and Carroll on for Jolinton in the 89th minute. Um, you, that Those... Atsu for, for Maximin, a left-sided speedster for a left-sided speedster. Dummett for Willems uh, is a straight fullback swap. Carroll for Jolinton, a physical striker uh, that, that uses his height to, to create space for a physical striker who uses his height to create space. Um, those are good substitutions. Those are like-for-like substitutions. When you look at 45 minutes, Manuel Anzini coming on for Yarmolenko, how many times did Yarmolenko look awful this season in the first half of a game and come back to score a goal, assist a goal, pick somebody out when West Ham puts the pressure on? He's that player. He's a possession-based player who's going to make space with some some stepovers, a deep cross, something like that. He's going to he's going to be the guy who makes a difference. Taking, you know, uh, Manuel Lanzini, bringing him on for, for Yarmolenko at halftime is silly. We we know that Yarmolenko is a luxury player, but we also know he has the ability to change it with one with one kick of the ball. A Yeti on for Noble makes sense. Um, we were talking about that being a, you know something that he should have started with to give Alaire somebody to work with. And surprise, surprise, the striker who played in the dual, dual striker system last season started getting service in the air and playing well once he had a striker partner. Who would have thought? Uh, mm. And then Bub, uh, sorry, Frederick's coming on for Zabaleta in the 72nd minute. Um, that was 72 minutes too late. Do, are they uninspired? Is he just not getting it? Has the game passed them by? What is up with Manuel Pellegrini making substitutions that don't make sense at, at the right time? Well, I'll start by this. I'm not I'm not Pellegrini out yet. I'm not on that train, and I think it would take a couple more atrocious matches for me to be on that train, but not many more. Um, but you're absolutely right. They've been... The substitutions in this match, I mean, you're right. I think bringing Yarmolenko off was probably not a good call. Although I think that Lanzini being in there, it didn't change much, but it changed a little bit. Like You saw a little, maybe a little bit more pace, but I think, too, I think a lot of that was having a Yeti up front and giving Allaire more freedom and more opportunity. Now, a Yeti didn't play that well, in my opinion. I didn't think he did all that well, and we finally gave him you know, more than five minutes a match to kind of see what he's doing. But all in all... That one still made sense. I mean, you can tell, too, like you said, the Fredericks one, it was way too late. 70-plus minutes, too late. 
But bringing him in was another thing this this week anyway that you could see a difference. You could actually see a difference on the right side of the pitch. And so as frustrating as it has been, I think this makes it even more frustrating is just because this week, and you go back even last week's substitutions were, in my mind, even I think they were worse yeah. um, than this. But, yeah, I don't know if if the game I, – I did read something, and this is obviously bad journalism. I don't remember where, but um, somewhere on Twitter um, – that he Pellegrini is kind of just kind of stubborn in his ways. Once he gets stuck to what he wants to do, he just kind of stays with it, and that's fine. I think if it's working, but if it's not working, I think you need to have the ability to be like, all right, we're going to change this up. We got to mix and match this to make it work. Because if you're stuck in your ways and it's not going to keep going, then I mean, you know the definition of insanity. So, um, yeah, I don't. I'm not on the train out yet, but man, he's just been doing some really dumb things lately. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I can't explain it, so I, I guess I can't try to. Um, uh, something I want to talk about. And I'm happy you brought it up. Is I thought that um, I, I thought that uh, a Yeti looked great when he came on. I, I don't know if I've. I was trying to key like keyhole him and just basically watch him the entire time and say like, mm-hmm. okay, what's he doing? Is he going to deserve some sort of, you know? Is he going to get some sort of praise for whatever he did? He didn't show up on the score sheet. He had three clear-cut chances that ended up bouncing away from him. One of them was an over-the-top ball that he couldn't time the bounce on the actual ball with the keeper coming in on him, and it just bounced one too many times. Um, again, maybe if he had more time under his belt, he takes that on the first bounce, or, or he does something to control a little bit better when he's more steady in the game. Um, but I, I thought he was really impressive just simply because when a ball would come up in the air in the center of the pitch, Sebastian Allaire would stop short, get up in the air, and a Yeti would put his head down and run forward. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what Jovic did last season for him, and that's exactly what we know a Yeti will do. He's a striker who plays in offense-heavy systems at Basel last season who are one of the, the Titans in that league that they're in. So, you know, they're a Champions League team because they consistently show up. They consistently score goals. A Yeti is, is a contributing factor in that he already was to start the season. I think he needs a string of games here. Do you, do you think there's any any need for, you know, West Ham to get a longer look at him at striker? Or, or do you want to move on from, from giving him that opportunity already? No, I'm definitely not moved on from him yet. I think that he does need more opportunity. And I'm, I'm glad that he got essentially 45-plus minutes to to be out there because you know before it was people were really slating him and he's had like four minutes here five minutes there and and none of it was obviously working because you can't go out and do anything for four or five minutes and do it well unless you get lucky but um yeah i think he just needs a string of a string of games a string of matches maybe if we can switch it up and do it you know go back to the four four two that we played a little bit last season um and give him that opportunity i mean you're going to free up the midfield a little bit but to get a little more attacking presence is something that we need right now. I mean, we just came off of two matches. We had Sheffield match. We had the Newcastle match. We're about to go into the Burnley match, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit, where a lot of these teams will play back. They'll play a lot of guys in the box. They'll get back defensively well, and they do a solid job on defense. Um, and if we're not attacking, forget about all the possession that we had. If we're not getting the ball into the box and we're not attacking, we don't have people in there to do that then what's the point of even trying so maybe having him in there having somebody else in the box that maybe you know Alaire can get a ball on and get a flick on over to him kind of like he did for Balbuena on that one goal whatever else that might look like but just getting more opportunities I mean you know 
just get the ball on net and see what happens would be, would be a good start. So maybe that can help. It sounds simple, but I, I'm completely on, on board with you there. <laughs> Any final thoughts on this match? Do you want to just move on from it, or, or do you think that the team should sort of get stuck in and, and you know look at how they can improve more so? I hope. I mean, I, I, realize, I really do hope that they're taking this opportunity to look at it and be like, we need to get better. You hear it every week. I mean, and I harp. I'm always harping on the the uh, social media guys for the actual club that you know, because you know, after a loss, they're always going to come out with some some player is going to say something about we need to do this better or that better, have more heart. We're going to come out better, and we've been hearing that. I'm just ready to see that. So hopefully, they do come out with that. Um, I was a little confused. I know I wrote about it on Grease Your Hammers website about Aaron Cresswell's comments about how. <laughs> They knew, you know, they knew this was an issue, and yet still, it was still an issue. So, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a whole thing. But hopefully, they can find something out. Hopefully, Pellegrini's not too stuck in his ways, and hopefully, we can come out and try to get something good before we go to another boring international break. Yeah, I'm with you there. And, and sometimes I try to play. Uh social media psychologist when it comes to West Ham and uh, they were because I always say like I don't care about what Snodgrass had to say after the Sheffield United game about the team not playing well because he wasn't one of the players who didn't try or didn't care he was one of the good ones so mm-hmm. in my mind I'm thinking okay uh, I want to hear from somebody who didn't have a good game or somebody who's going to get the, a new opportunity to make an impact this week it was uh, a Yeti who only played 45 minutes, which to me says he's going to be starting next game. I don't know if I'm reading into that too much, but hopefully we actually get to see a potential full 40, a full 90 minutes of him playing with Alaire up top in, in what could be attacking-based football. But uh, we're going to take a quick little break here, and we will get back to that and more uh, on the second part of the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, part two of the Green Street Hammers podcast. We're looking ahead to Burnley, uh, one of the few teams that are below us in the table right now. Uh, Burnley are sitting exactly one spot and one point lower than us in 14th at the minute with uh, 12 points. They have as many wins as we do at three with uh, but one uh, draw fewer than us. Um, Burnley, two seasons ago, they were in Europe. Last season, they were fighting off relegation. Uh, this season, it seems more up and down. <sighs> I, I don't know exactly how to categorize their season, but I'll, I'll give you a quick breakdown of the results, uh, and, and then uh, we'll get your opinion there. So they started the season beating Southampton 3-0. They lost to Arsenal 2-1 after that. Drew Wolves 1-1 um, were thrashed in the uh, Carabao Cup 3-1 to Sunderland, and then lost 3-0 to Burnley. Drew Brighton 1-0, or sorry, 1-1. Uh, beat Norwich 2-0, drew Aston Villa 2-2, uh, beat a red-carded Everton 1-0, lost to Leicester City 2-1, lost to Chelsea 4-2, and are coming off of a 3-0 loss to Sheffield United. Um, what are your thoughts on Burnley this season, or are they a team you've even paid any attention to? I try to pay a little bit of attention to Burnley. I mean, just because they, they are so kind of mysterious. You never really know what you're going to get out of a Sean Dyche side. And... Um, They've played, I mean, at times they've played really well. They've looked good, and then you've had, you know, they played Sutherland in the Cup and looked awful. Uh, or even last week, you know, giving up three and getting shut out by uh, by Sheffield. So I think that it's just really a mystery to me, and I, I'm always kind of seeing where they're at. I do a lot of prediction leagues, you know, through the West Ham way or a couple other prediction leagues. And um, so, yeah, I try to pay attention as much as I can, and they're always a tough one. I mean, you want to almost pick them to win because you, you think of the solid, like the, 
how solid they can be as far as team play goes. And they're kind of not a lot of the flashy names out there, but they're names that can get things done and they can play, play pretty solid. But yeah, they're just so, they're so up and down. And I mean, you know, Burnley, West Ham, you know, there's never any like big, there's never any big storylines there. So I don't think we have to worry about that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, the one thing that comes to mind when I think of Burnley is uh, Daesh and drilled responsible football they play a team game much kind of like sheffield united in a sense it's ironic with them losing three nil to them but you know when everyone thinks sheffield they think uh they're not going to be easy to beat at the back they're going to take their chances when they're going forward uh and they have the ability to pop in a goal or two with you know ashley barnes or chris wood who are prolific premier league strikers when it comes to playing teams like west ham apparently so they're a team you can't overlook, which I think a lot of our players have an issue with. They think that they're ready for Champions League or Europa League, and they don't show up for a match against a mid or lower table team like we currently are. So there's a mentality issue there, and and hopefully, you know, this loss to Newcastle has snapped them out of that. That's my hope, anyways. But yeah, with Burnley, it's going to be a game where you have to grind them down. I think you have to take the ball away from them to sort of limit any attack that they're going to have, which is really shallow when it comes to analysis, I know. Um, but look at Leicester City when they when they won the league. They were a team that didn't play possession football. They played almost entirely on the counterattack and capitalized on set pieces with the likes of Riyad Mahrez. So, um, you know, to every team, something's, you know, something's a little bit different there. But with Burnley, they're a team you can take, if you can take the ball away from them and keep it away from them, you can whittle away at their opportunities, which, like I said, they're a team that takes their chances. So, um if you don't give them as many chances, you're going to give yourself a better opportunity to win. Again, that's shallow analysis, but there's a point that I'm trying to make there. Uh, Burnley are a team uh, that notoriously play sort of smash mouth football in that, that four, four, two system that we're so used to uh, last week. They played uh, Jay Rodriguez and Ashley Barnes, atop top of four, four, two with the likes of, you know, uh, Cor- Jack Cork, uh, Westwood, Hendricks, Lowton, Tchaikovsky, me, Peters, McNeil uh, supporting them in behind. To me, that looks like two physical strikers. Well, one physical striker in Barnes more so in Rodriguez. I see more as like a, an all-around striker, sort of mm-hmm. box in the box almost as well. So maybe he's got some speed to him still. But that's a that's a whip the ball in the box and see what happens team. And, excuse me, on the bench, uh, they have you know people like Vidra who can come in and, and play an attacking role. Brady as well, Charlie Taylor. Those were the subs used last week. Aaron Lennon, players who can actually come in and contribute and know their role. You don't have someone coming in like Fornells or Lanzini who are am I playing on the right? Is that mean Snodgrass is moving? Yarmolenko is now off, so who's going to f- play the right side? That's not my natural side. Am I supposed to cross the ball in? Am I cutting inside? This is a, like I said, this is a Sean Dyche team. They're well drilled. They know where they're going to play. Um, to me, it's a concerning game. I, there's no easy games in the Premier League anymore, is there? It, it just seems, it just seems like there's always an opportunity to lose. Yeah, I mean, definitely concerned. I think it's it's coming off of the match we came off of. You, we hope, and, and you would want to hope, like you said, that we can kind of come out and and show the grit that they have. But yeah, this is very concerning on the road. Um, also concerning because Turf Moor. It's a tough place to play, it really is, and we haven't. And we've won there in the past, but you know, realistically, we haven't had great games there. And we haven't played great against Burnley too much anyway lately. Um, but yeah, you you hit now. I know you're kind of joking with yourself about kind of poor uh, <laughs> poor analysis, but it's it's true in a way. I mean, we keep take the ball away from them, but if we just 
did something with the possession that we've had the last couple of matches, we would have won those games easily. I mean, you can look at the stats all day long of what we've had for possession, but they haven't really done anything with it. If if the club can actually figure out something and move forward, I mean, whether that is just taking the ball away from them, keeping the possession, and getting something off of that, seemingly, once again, on paper, it seems like it could be an easy match. But a lot of concern because it's Burnley and the way we're playing right now. Now, I don't want to give away our, our weekly prediction piece that you have here, but are you confident that West Ham can right the ship in this match? And if so, um, how do you see them doing it? I think the uh, ever-optimistic, our optimism in me, is slowly uh, turning a little bit negative. I <laughs> I would be happy if we can walk out of there with a draw. I think that, I think that we will, without giving anything away, I, I think we will be able to pull out some type of a draw hopefully i mean i'd love to see it win if i'll go with this i'll answer the question the way he posted it if, if we can come out of there with a win if we can come out of there with three points how we're going to do that is we're going to have to press more we got to have clinical finishing and and they got to do something with that possession because it's great we've cried all along about how before we didn't have possession and now we're playing possession-based football but we're not doing anything with it like just play together have a little bit of heart and and just shoot the damn ball and hopefully at some point in time it'll go in or at least get a, a good bounce off of the off of the keeper because they still have pope is pope their uh starter right now Pope's or the keeper and hearts on the bench and maybe joe hart can play and we can get some luck off of that but uh yeah i think that's what we got to do we have to press better we got a whole team has to play better i mean and i know that sounds really easy to say but yeah, a lot of uh, you gotta, they got to press better. they got to get the ball on that, and, and that's how they will come out of their winning because defensively, you're not going to have to do too much against Burnley. Play well, definitely play well, but you're not gonna, it's not going to be like you're playing against a City or a Liverpool or a team like that. They're an all-around solid team you have to watch out for with the Barnes and the Woods and people like that. But, yeah, if we can attack well, if we can get on the counters, I think we could come out with a win. I... <sighs> I feel like it's a defeatist attitude to say I would like to take a draw from this match because, <laughs> I, you know, West Ham shouldn't be looking for a draw when they're playing Burnley, in my opinion. Um, but I think West Ham get at least a point in this game. Um, like you said, I would be happy with that, as defeatist as I think it is. I would be happy with them with them doing that. Um, but I think it all comes down to them changing their formation. I want to see the 4 triple 2 or the four four two come out. I want to see that sort of old-school smash-mouth football. Um, maybe flip Yarmolenko and Anderson and work on getting the ball over the top and into the air. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work or not, but you know, just something to change up how this team plays and basically reinvigorate the team. So if there's a win here for West Ham, I think it's going to be on the back of two strikers, and I think it's going to be um, you know, built on, on West Ham changing up how they look. Um, now, Jeremiah, as always, we'd like to we'd like to finish our episode with the calming presence of the Hammers Polls questions. <laughs> it takes the wheel out of my hand and out of your hand, and it lets us get the fans' thoughts on things here. And um, it's maybe a little less calming this week than in the past because the team is sucking right now. But um, I'll let you have the inaugural answer to every question. And we'll start here. Poll posted but 38 minutes ago. It's from at Tony Monk, West Ham U, WHU. Uh, if we could turn back time, will we keep Moyes and give him the $100 million to spend, yes or no? 
what are you voting for here? <laughs> no, no, I, I think that Pellegrini is still the right answer over Moyes. I mean, he did good. He kept us up, and I mean, at times looked solid, and we've we've had some good talks out of Moyes anyway. But yeah, no, I wouldn't wouldn't have kept him. Hey, we could have had John Joe Shelby and Harry Arter instead of Pablo Fornell, so you never know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say no as well. You may not be happy with Pellegrini, but I know that you won't be happy with David Moyes. He was setting up every match not to lose rather than to win, and we wouldn't have the likes of Felipe Anderson, who I think is a, is a, a great player. Same with Sebastian mm-hmm. Allaire. Um, yeah, I, I'm with the 90% of people who have voted no on this question. Uh, all right, question two, at UK underscore WHUFC. Should we give David Martin a chance given the poor, or the recent poor form of Roberto? I mean, realistically, why not? I mean, Roberto, he's played okay. Uh, but, I mean, just last match, the he came out, shouldn't have came out. Or if he did, he should have, you know. the Committed Just down, realistically, right? he should have committed. He should have committed it out. Uh, yeah, that free kick by Shelby was, he could have stopped that, so... He's not doing great. He he did save us on a couple of occasions. You know, could have been way worse. But I would say, why not? I mean, that's maybe just the FIFA FIFA mentality in me um, playing that. But I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I I'm gonna go. I would say yes. I'm gonna go with yes. But I don't know what David Martin has other than seeing him sitting there, usually in street clothes. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I say yes as well. Uh, as far as this question's concerned, it's based off of the poor recent form of Roberto. And while he's made some some saves, uh, he's mm-hmm. had a hand in every goal that's been scored against us as well, um, mm-hmm. which is not harsh to say. Like I said, give him the credit for the saves he's made. And he hasn't been as bad as I think all of us had thought he would be after we saw the highlights from that <laughs> cup game. Um, but yeah, I, David Martin was signed to fulfill the English quota on the team. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But he was playing in the championship for Millwall last season. Um and, and you know he had, uh, I think he had one or two bloopers, but that's a t- Millwall is a team that you know a lot of people hate playing against, and, and Martin was contributing to that last season. So there's literally no reason why we shouldn't. And if it's, you know, a lot of people thought we shouldn't give the money and to, to Fabianski last season and bring him in, and look how that turned out. I'm not saying he's the same quality as that, but you never know what you have until you give it a shot. So why not? Seventy three percent of people agree with us there. Uh, all right. We scroll down. Declan Rice has told Sky Sports he believes West Ham can still make the top six. Do you agree with him? Mm. I'd be negative on this one and say no. I, I don't agree with him. I don't think we're top six. I think we can break into the top ten. Obviously, I would hope that we could do that. Maybe get eighth. I would be happy with eighth. But anything in the top ten, I'd be happy with. But no, I don't think. Top six is, you look at the clubs that are below us, we should all beat them. You look at the clubs that we're even with or right around the kind of mid-table-ish with um, most of them, we should be able to beat. You know, I think United's going to get a little bit better. I think that there's going to be certain teams that maybe are playing above us that aren't going to be as good. But, yeah, I think top 10 I'd be happy with, but I don't think there's any way we're going to get top six, which is sad because, I mean, like three or four weeks ago, you asked me the same question probably, and I would have said yes. Yeah, I, I kind of almost hate the question because it, it it looks past every important detail of the actual season. Um, you're just looking where it's going to end and then, you know, okay, on to the next year. Uh, just take it one game at a time. Do they, Can they make top six? Sure. Uh, if they win every game, they can win the league probably or make it close. Uh, but 
Well, do I know what's going to happen? No. So might as well just let the games play out. I, I guess technically they can, so I'll vote yes, but 74% of people think that the, the top six is not reachable. And I would agree with you. Eight should be the, where we're aiming as far as worst-case scenario. Mm-hmm. All right, on to another one here before we wrap up. In January, uh, it will be 10 years since Gold and Sullivan took over West Ham. Have the board done a good job in the last decade, yes or no? I'd say yes. Um, definitely not falling on the uh, the board lover side of things, but I've never really been bored out. I mean, I, I think that they've had a couple times where they've promised us things and it hasn't happened. But it, all in all, um, they've done a pretty solid job with it. You look what they took over and the way that they took over it. I mean, we've had a promotion, I think one promotion under them, maybe two. I mean, I'm definitely trying to go back in my memory box and think, <laughs> but I know we've had at least one promotion under them. Um, they've done a lot of things that they said they would do. They, they've had a lot of empty promises that have, haven't been fulfilled. And I think that's why you get a lot of hate and a lot of stick out of it. But all in all, yeah, I would say that, um, I'm fairly happy and okay with what they've done over the last 10 years. Yeah. I think the team was also almost an administration when they took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, look at, look at the likes of Bury. Uh, there's, you know, nothing's nothing certain anymore is when it comes to, to football and, and the financials of, of the sport and owning a club there. So, um, yeah, like you said, there's been a promotion in that time period. Uh, there's been some massive moves in. There's been some gaffes and some, some blunders along the way. Yes, we left the, our ancestral home at Upton Park, mm-hmm. but we're also, we're also in a world-class Olympic stadium now. Um, that's a marquee building to go to. There's 60,000 people for every home match. Uh, and you have the team spending money every season to try and make it into the next level. You have the appointment of managers like Manuel Pellegrini, where I love him or hate him. He has the, you know, the, the track record of a proven winner wherever he's gone. Um, there's a lot to be positive about with this club. And I think the people that want to focus on the board out are people who are either looking for clicks or love uh, or just want to be a contrarian online. So uh, I, I think we can... We can safely both both agree that you know the ten year period with this club has been positive, and we don't know where the club would be w- without the owners when they had stepped in at that time. Yeah, Jeremiah, we'll put a cap on it there. Uh, any thoughts going into this weekend, or thoughts in general about our beloved West Ham? Mm, I'm just ready to see a change. I'm ready to see not a change managerially or anything like that, but just a change in the, in the players' hearts and kind of pushing forward i would love to see them come out and just kind of calm all the haters and just have a, a fantastic match and win it something like three or four to nil that would be great um, but uh yeah i'm just excited to see it any week it wouldn't matter if we were in you know premier league championship league one when west ham's on i'm excited to watch it I'm frustrated when we don't do good but i'm always excited to watch it i completely agree and i will uh i will give you the you know i'll let you just take that and close out the episode there it's been episode 42 thank you for listening we'll come again next week keep it on your
Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.